We're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Welcome to Wayfinding Growth. This episode of Wayfinding Growth is brought to you by Sprocket Talk. If you're ready to take your HubSpot experience to a whole new level, you need to join Sprocket Talk as a free VIP member. That's right, free. Tutorials, courses, training, HubSpot updates, and so much more. Head to sprockettalk.com slash WG to join the movement and get an exclusive Wayfinding Growth deal. Welcome, Wayfinders. I'm Dan Moyle. And I'm Remington Begg. Man, we are so excited about today's episode. Uh, we're talking with the founder of a marketing agency that focuses specifically and exclusively on podcast interviews. Um, mm. I mean, I think I kind of think of it as like a PR agency helping businesses and personal brands grow through interviews. Kind of similar, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, her name's Jessica Rhodes, and she is an author, a podcaster herself, and she is the founder of Interview connections and she scaled that business to six figures very quickly with very little direct marketing. She's got a great story. Uh, she works with some of the top brands and personality. Well, I shouldn't say top brands, but some big brands and personalities in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so much fun and helps them grow. So I'm curious, what did you get out of today's episode? What do you want listeners to walk away with? Yeah, I think that she's an amazing example of a female entrepreneur that is killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, just from conversation, like the confidence that exuded um, was re- really awesome. The other side is um, the emphasis on relationship. Like she, she talked about like building the relationships, but then using events to connect with those people. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting that she, how she brought it up because it was like leverage social leverage, like the online side of things to, to reinforce the in-person relationship and, and just kind of go with it. And it's a similar thread that we had with some takeaways of like the magic happened in the hallways. I think uh, if I quote, uh, if I quote Mr. Dan Moyle, yeah. yes, um, absolutely. you know, from, from some previous episodes. So just extra confirmations that uh, we're not the only ones that think that way, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And it was, and it was fun too, because I mean, you mentioned uh, an empowered female entrepreneur and that, and that designation is there because it is such a male dominated space so often. Right. And so to get a perspective is very cool, but she's just a, a cool entrepreneur in general. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. I got out of it. Uh, what you just said about conferences, that was a really cool point. And just how, how live events are still powerful today. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we want everything to be virtual and that's, that can be great. Virtual events, webinars, awesome. There's something to be said about those live events when it comes to growing your business and actually making those um, those connections, as I like to jokingly say, it's all about uh, shaking babies and kissing hands. Yep. It's the other way around life. usually. Um, but yeah. And then, and the other thing I wrote down was um, contractors into employees and her journey as the founder and partner in this organization where they used to be all contractors, 1099 employee, 10, 1099 employees, quote unquote, yep. to being actual <clears throat> full fledged employees. That was really interesting. So it's a lot. Yeah. 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 I can. Yeah. I mean, that's, you, you know, that better than anybody. Uh, yeah. Good stuff, man. Uh, hey, here it is, my friends. Season two, episode 24. Let's set that course for growth. So Jessica, welcome to Wayfinding Growth. Thanks for taking time to uh, speak to the Wayfinders. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be with you guys today. Absolutely. It's funny because I, uh, I used to be in the world of podcast interview marketing. Mm-hmm. And so we've known each other for a while. Uh, yeah. I got out of it and I've actually taken, I don't want to make this sound like super surprising, like your terrible <laughs> interview connections that sent us guests. And I was like, this is really good. So when they reached out and asked about you, I was like, well, yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really cool. I'm excited. 
Yeah, awesome. So let's uh, let's chart the course, as it were, for Wayfinders. Um, mm-hmm. Jessica, tell us a little bit about Interview Connections and how your journey brought you there. Yeah, so I before I started my business, I worked for a nonprofit organization and I ran a door-to-door field canvas. So my background is in door-to-door fundraising and community organizing and activism. And I did that. That was my college job. And I did that for several years after I graduated from college. Mm-hmm. Um, so totally in many ways, the opposite of online entrepreneurship and marketing. Um, but there's surprisingly a ton of similarities to booking podcast interviews and growing a business to knocking on someone's door and asking them to make a donation to save the environment. So yeah. Yeah, that's my, my, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking too. I was like, wow, there's so much alignment there. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. But I, um, so I got pregnant with my first child and I just something, you know, a switch flipped and I was like, okay, well, I can't be going door to door. I, I need to actually do something different. Um, so I was talking to my dad about being a, a stay at home mom and he's an online entrepreneur. He's a business coach. And he says, why don't you start a virtual assistant business? So you can be at home, have your own hours. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> and he was actually my first client. And so I read a lot of his books, took his courses, like really dived into a totally new industry. Um, I had sort of uh, innocence and naivete on my side. I was like 24, 25 at this transition. So I was like, whatever, everything will be fine. I'll quit my job. Won't have a plan in place. I'll just start a business and it'll be great. Sure. <laughs> so that's, that's what I did. I started as a virtual assistant. My company entrepreneur support services was my VA firm and I did client support work and Pinterest marketing and, and really anything that I could get my hands on with these coaches that I was working with and booking podcast interviews was one of those first tasks, um, that I, that I started doing. And that was sort of the genesis of, of what we've created today. Very that's interesting. Amazing. And how, and how cool that, you know, your, your dad helped kind of guide you in that. And then you took it and ran with it in your whole new direction. That's, that's really cool. Yes. Yeah. It was awesome. What I love about that is you weren't telling your dad to get into the internet. He was telling you. Isn't that ironic? I will yeah. say I told him to actually get onto Gmail. So there, there was. You there you go. There you so go. you win, you win it back. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But Jessica, it seems like the, the podcasting world is pretty male dominated. And so like is the entrepreneurial world, it seems. Um, mm-hmm. How have you faced certain difficulties or challenges as a, a woman founder in this podcast industry? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are a lot of um, men in podcasting, a lot of men in business. And I don't, I honestly don't think about it too much. Um But what I will say, what I have done and what my business partner and I have done is we, um, a year and a half ago, we joined Allie Brown's premier group because we really wanted to be learning from women at a really high level um, because there is a different energy and sort of coaching that you get from male entrepreneurs that you don't get from, you know, female entrepreneurs and vice versa. So we have actually purposely put ourselves in rooms where we knew we would be with all women, which has been really, really helpful because in a lot of other, um, like at events and, and masterminds and programs, it is, tends to be very male dominated. And for me, like in the beginning, a lot of the women were kind of playing at a smaller level and there's nothing wrong with that, but they're like, balancing being a mom at home with having a business. And it was more of a lifestyle business when I was really wanting to build a company. Um, Mm -hmm. So we made the investment to join Allie Brown's premier group because we wanted to be learning from 
entrepreneurs who have reached that seven figure mark and beyond and were women. Um, so there was a different energy and vibe there that we really liked. Hmm. So you said lifestyle business versus like building a company. Can yeah. you throw me, so talk to me about the differences between those from your mindset point of view. And uh, I mean, there, there's pros and cons to both for sure, but yeah. talk to me about what you imagine those differences are. Yeah, I think it's totally a personal preference. So for me, a lifestyle business is building a business that supports your lifestyle and being like happy with whatever that means for you. So for some people, they reach six figures, maybe they're taking home 80,000 a year and they're just happy. And that's, that's great. For me and my partner, we really are growing a real company. So it's not just like we'll be settled and happy with, you know, a six-figure salary or whatever the case may be. It's like we want to keep growing and expanding and make this company bigger than just like what our lifestyle and needs are. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and like getting employees and an office space and really building something that is significant in the world beyond just our lifestyle. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Awesome. So the next step. Dan, did you have something? No, go ahead. No. Oh, okay. All you so mean. the next step is uh, we kind of jump into some navigational tools. So talk to mm -hmm. me about talk to me about like some of those lever points or some of those tools, whether they're literal or figurative, um, that you've used along your journey here. So a couple. I mean, we already talked a little bit about like coaching and masterminding, and that is mm -hmm. really huge. Um, I was on a podcast this morning sharing the importance of really building relationships um, in business, and specifically leveraging relationships with people that are influential in your target audience. And for me, that was really huge in the beginning when starting Interview Connections. We were the first podcast booking agency to market. I was doing this as a virtual assistant, um, and then I saw that nobody else was doing this, so we created Interview Connections. And one of the first, you know people that I really connected with was John Lee Dumas and Kate Erickson and Entrepreneurs on Fire. And by booking people on their show and booking John on some of my client shows, I saw that he was then launching Podcasters Paradise. And so I got on the phone with them. I was so nervous. Like I was so early on. I didn't know anyone, but I'm like, I'm going to do this. They have my target audience. We're doing different things. And I just said, how can we partner, right? Because I've got clients that would be perfect for your membership and vice versa. So really putting some energy and effort into providing value to, to them and seeing how we can, and really like putting that request out there of like, Hey, how can you guys help me? How can I help you? So we partnered with kind of a referral relationship. Um, and that was really, really key. So I guess, you know, wayfinding, like really connecting with an influencer in the industry um, and providing value and just nurturing that relationship, which, you know, that's been huge to this day. John, you know, refers business to us. And like, I ran into him in Toronto really randomly on like a weekend away. And it was just being able to continue to get to know each other and see each other around has been really great. And then also going to key events and conferences um, and trade shows in the industry is really helpful too, because all these people that we're meeting online and doing podcast interviews with actually going and then meeting them face to face and seeing them speak um, is a, incredible. And that's really where you actually land a lot of the business and the clients. So sure. one of my first conferences that I went to was new media expo in 2014, rest in peace. I don't think that conference is around anymore, but, <laughs> but I saw, you know, Jamie masters, who's the host of eventual millionaire. I had connected with her online again, like books and podcast interviews with her. And then I saw her speak um, at that conference. I met Michael Stelzner, who then became a client of mine. Um, and so it's like going to these conferences and having relationships with these key individuals really opened the door to a lot of new opportunities for me. That's awesome. 
So interesting that your your business focuses so much on the virtual side of our lives, and yet those in person events are still very powerful. How do you mm-hmm. how do you make them that much better when you go rather than just like show up and say, "Hey, nice to see you." Yeah. What do you do to make it very purposeful? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that I do before conferences, I like to really get an understanding of, of who is going to be there. Um, so if you're going to a conference really with the intention of like, this is an event where I think I can get clients. Um, a lot of conferences have apps or Facebook groups where the attendees are listed or where people are conversing like with PodFest Multimedia Expo, there's a Facebook group. People are in there. So being active in the online community. So that way, when you go, you can potentially have meetings already scheduled and set up with people when you're on site at the conference. Um, similar with FinCon, which is a great marketing conference in the finance industry, they have an app. So literally going on the app and seeing who's going to be there, start messaging people. Um, You can really make your time there very intentional and purposeful if you actually schedule out some meetings. And in the beginning, I didn't do that. I didn't schedule out because I just wanted to be open to possibility. I didn't want to say, oh gosh, I have a meeting right now, but then I just met this person (laughs) I want to talk to. So it is a balance of like, what's going to work best for you. Um, and the other thing with conferences is I hardly ever go into the sessions <laughs> um, because yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> which there's some really great sessions and things to learn from, but most of them have a virtual pass. And so go and like be in the hallway as much as possible and just be open to those conversations. And then when you're talking to people, be a hundred percent focused on them. Like don't have yeah. the, like kind of looking over their shoulder and seeing who might else be around, like be totally focused and present on the person you're talking to. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Like my soul sister over here. Right? <laughs> yes. <Right? laughs> so on the on the same on the same vein of, of navigational tools, and get back to that. Uh, what do you wish that you had that you didn't when you started off? Uh, I mean, more money would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um, so, but I mean, I say that and that it is funny because we all wish we had more money. Um, I think I wish I had more of an understanding of the finance side of growing a mm-hmm. business because it mm-hmm. took me several years to learn how to wrap my head around the numbers. Um, several years before I realized I should actually be looking at my P&L and like setting specific monthly goals. Like, and I grew yep. tremendously in the first couple of years without that. So it's just like, you look back and you're like, wow, imagine how I could have grown if I actually was yeah, doing that. But that's yeah. something that I really wish I knew because in the beginning, I think entrepreneurs and for me too, focus so much on sales and marketing and growth and not enough on systems and like analyzing your numbers and getting clear on the back end of the business. So mm-hmm. that I think, you know, if every entrepreneur did that at the beginning and really built out clear systems and really paid attention to their profit margin and getting really, really clear and intentional about specific monthly goals. I mean, we have our yearly revenue goals, we have our monthly goals, and we're tracking it like by the penny on a spreadsheet every single day. Like we're obsessive with our numbers. Um, so that I think is really important. If you do that early on, you'll just be, you know, miles ahead of everyone else. Yeah. That's awesome. So awesome. Um, Another conversation we had today, Dan. That's yeah, funny. absolutely. Right? It's funny how this all, how life becomes <laughs> our podcasting, right? Yes. <laughs> I think that, um, so I think that what's awesome about that is like in this similar story for us, um, we've had the agency for, right, my wife and I have had the agency for 12, almost 13 years now. That's amazing. And, um, and the, the, the lessons you wish you knew, especially around finance, we're, we're like in the same boat as we focus so much on, um, on net new mm-hmm. and that kind of thing early, but they really don't teach that. There's really not info about that out there in regards to like, you can get as much profit out of, out of the, the expenses side of your numbers as you can, mm-hmm. as you can the sales. So 
um, really wise yeah. info there for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Awesome. So I imagine it hasn't been perfect then getting to that point. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, you said you wish you were doing the finances. Come on. Right, yeah, it's right. been all really easy. <laughs> right. So let's talk a little bit about the the moments where it wasn't maybe mm-hmm. so easy. What is a shipwreck that you wish you could have avoided maybe, or even that, mm. you know, you had and you're okay with, but what's a big shipwreck in this growth journey for interview connections? So I would say when we transitioned in 2017 from a contractor labor model to an employee model, there were certainly some shipwrecks along that journey. Mm -hmm. So we, like a lot of online businesses, we grew by leveraging 1099 contractors because that's the easiest thing at first and kind of Mm -hmm. the least scary way to build up a team because you just be like, cool, come on, invoice me. And like, you don't have to worry about payroll and benefits and all this stuff, you know, but after a while we realized there wasn't a whole lot of control over like their schedule and how they do things. And you can't be like, you have to call this client right now because maybe they're out walking their dog and you can't control when they take their breaks. Mm-hmm. Like, so they're all stuff. So in 2017, we made the the choice to totally flip our model upside down, do something that most online companies are not doing, which is hire in-house on-site employees. And what I say is we had to just kiss a lot of frogs that year mm-hmm. and really figure out what an ideal employee looked like for yeah. us. Um, and that was, I mean, there were, there were some shipwrecks. There were some, uh, I mean, just like some, like, stories of employees leaving that I can't share probably for HR law reasons, but <laughs> don't name um, them maybe. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it, it comes down to, we learned that, Oh, it took us a while to get that. We had to set really clear expectations and KPIs and metrics sure. with employees and like really hold them accountable to that because there would be times when we realized, well, wow, this person's not performing. And then we look back and say, well, we never really told them Mm-hmm. what their KPIs were. So how can we now hold them accountable to that? So there were a lot of lessons learned there. And then specifically, and moving from contractor into employee, I mean, one of the shipwrecks for me was I, I talked to every contractor myself except one and that I totally felt terrible about. Like I delegated that to somebody and that was not good. Like I should have had that conversation. Um, so that I would say is a shipwreck because that person was really pissed and I felt bad about it. And that was just like, you know, an integrity breakdown of like not actually doing the hard work myself. So I would say that was probably the biggest shipwreck there. Um, Cause it was just like a breakdown of integrity and like taking a like responsibility for the choices that I was making in, in taking this business to a new place. So yeah. yeah. Interesting. So all in-house, is that what I understand? Yes. We have all in-house employees. The only outside contractors are like a graphic design team, our accountant, um, stuff like that. We've got like a web team, but yeah, all of the booking agents, show researchers, our manager are all in this office. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So talk to me about, so thank you for sharing the shipwreck. Um, talk to me about what your proudest moment is then in the business. Hmm. Oh, and then real, real quick. This is the yeah. first time I've ever shared that shipwreck. So you guys are like a, you yeah. heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Wayfinders right there. Amazing. Yeah. So proudest moment. Um, that's a great question. I will say one of the kind of the faults of, I think a lot of entrepreneurs is we don't stop to like be mm-hmm. proud of our journey and wins. our success. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, like, 
this year we've had a few six figure months. Um, and we are on track to do a million dollars this year, which is like very exciting. It's mm. <laughs> something we're very proud of. <laughs> say the first million is the hardest million, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that's amazing. Um, I honestly think like our proudest moment and thing is, is just what we're building here in Rhode Island and building the first ever podcast booking agency with a real staff of employees and people with, you know, we give health insurance, dental, PTO, like we're really building a company that's on the cutting edge of this industry and is like creating real jobs for people in our tiny little state of Rhode Island where there aren't, you know, it's not New York, it's not LA, like there's not a, like, it's not Austin. It's not like a million startup jobs, like two be creating and building a company that's on the cutting edge of the podcasting industry in Rhode Island is, is very cool. And I'm very proud of that. <laughs> Amazing stuff. That's cool. So, uh, so I'm obsessed with podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's talk a little bit about that for yeah. the wayfinders listening. And they're thinking about like what you've talked about so far, what, what type of an entrepreneur might be best suited to putting podcast interviews to work for them for their growth journey? Yes. So service-based entrepreneurs whose client has a high lifetime value. Um, That's really how I define it because podcast listeners are very engaged, but they reach out when they're ready to buy. So they're pretty quiet, right? Like if you've got 200 downloads per episode, you're probably not getting 200 people reaching out to you, like super excited about it. They're there, you see the downloads, but they're not reaching out until they do and they're ready to write you a big check or credit card, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I think is really, really key because every once in a while you get on a show with 10,000, 20,000 people, like one of the top, top podcasts, and you get a slew of people coming in. Like when I was on Glambition Radio, I got tons of people reaching out to me, but most shows are not at that level. They're still really valuable because you're speaking to a very niche audience and a, and a, a like a targeted group of people. Um, So that is definitely what I would say is, you know, a service-based business, like an agency or a coach or a consultant who, if they sign on one client, that's worth five, 10, $20,000. It, it totally makes it worth it. Yeah. So you're not necessarily, not necessarily selling books per episode. You're, you're building an audience and selling a service. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that's really key. And, and it is good to have a book and you can, uh, you know, if you get a really good call to action and have a high converting landing page, you can absolutely, you know, convert a fair number of listeners. But what we found with our clients over the years, most people who see a financial return on investment from podcasting, it is about converting the smaller number of very high value clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's awesome. Very cool. It's great. So if, if you were to, to be a wayfinder for someone, you were to be that, that captain or that, uh, uh, what's the admiral? That's the the word. There we go. (laughs) You were to be the admiral for someone. What kind of, what, what would your first piece of advice be for them on this growing journey just in Mm -hmm. general? I mean, my first piece of advice for them, I mean, it's kind of two things. Um, one to really do some, some personal growth work. Um, I think that's really, really important because if you are not, um, you know, complete in your personal life, then it's really difficult to show up and play full out in your business. Um, my business partner and several of our employees have gone through Landmark, which is a very transformational personal growth program. Um, and doing that, I believe, has totally 
put us on this path of success because we, what I learned there, I went there because a client told us about it. She's like, you should do this. I'm like, great. It'll help me make more money. And then I show up and it's like vulnerability and like dealing with your relationship with your mom and like all this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, but then yeah. So, but then like when you clear everything up in your kind of home life, you show up like ready to, to just mm-hmm. be that leader and, and be that entrepreneur that is totally unstoppable. Um, because so many people get caught up with stories and they, there's like misunderstandings. I mean, I've had calls with people that are like, I just really felt like this. And there's like feelings and it's like doing that transformational personal growth worth. Like you cut through all those feelings and stories and meanings and you are so focused that you can lead past all the people that are getting stuck in their head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How, else, yes. <laughs> how else do you find time to do that personal work though? Like if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm trying to grow my mm-hmm. business, sounds good. I yeah. love the idea, but I also like, I'm not the entrepreneur Remington is, but it's sometimes hard to get his attention. It is. <laughs> how, do you, it is. how do you find that time to make that personal growth? What's besides mm-hmm. landmark, what else can you do mm-hmm. for that? I mean, like, honestly, I would say you make the time, like I would prioritize Mm -hmm. that. Right. So like, you know, for me, like we did landmark and it was a three day seminar. Like you just schedule that into your life for some people. It's taking that hour a week and seeing a therapist and like really putting that like self-care time in. And I think that's the biggest Mm -hmm. pitfall people make that don't do that. They say, I don't have the time, you know, you have Mm -hmm. the time for what you want to have the time for. It's like Gary Vaynerchuk says, like, are you on the couch binging TV at night or are you working on your business? And don't get me wrong. I love binging TV at night. You know, you can do both, (laughs) but if you do have that mindset of like, I don't have time to do it. You need to like hold up a mirror and be like, do I have time? Or am I making excuses for that? Why Um, I don't have time. uh, And what's your binge worthy show? So I just binged Grey's Anatomy in a probably a record amount of time. (laughs) My wife, like all of it. My wife did the same thing. She watched all 14 or whatever seasons in in, in a year. I mean, oh less than a year, but like watched them all. And I was watching the current season. So. Sam, yeah. me and your wife could totally talk. That's funny. I'll have to finish it. My wife and I binge watched uh, Game of Thrones. I think it was four seasons. And we felt like we were in medieval times. Like it was. Yeah. Like I'm like we have considered going to medical school. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, but... I'm like, I could be a surgeon. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so funny. That's cool. Fun. So I is there, it. so this has been so much fun. Is there anything else that we haven't asked you that you want to make sure that listeners know? So, I mean, the other thing, the other side of the the coin with like, you know, kind of your personal growth work mm-hmm. is making um, really strategic investments in mm-hmm. growing your business. Um, and so for us, some of the investments we've made are um, definitely like in coaching. So like working with Allie Brown and um, we work with Kelly Roach, so really making strategic investments and then also making strategic marketing investments. Because some people throw a lot of money at the, the marketing trends that people tell them to, but they're not being really careful about how am I going to get a return on investment? So like with podcast mm-hmm. interviews. That's why I ask people, well, what's the average value of a client for you? Because when they say it's a hundred dollars, I say, please don't sign up with our service because you'll probably not see an ROI. So sure. getting really clear and doing and being strategic about where you're investing, but don't be afraid to, to take risks and to, um, and to make those investments. So that's the only thing I want to leave people with. Cause I think that's it's, great. it's really important as you grow your business. 
Absolutely. Know your numbers, people. Know yes. your numbers. Absolutely. And on and on that, so I want to throw out this idea because we we grapple with this a little bit internally, and I do with my own personal podcast. With this one, even when you talk about those podcast numbers, what you said earlier, Jessica, is if you could be on a podcast with two hundred listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, getting into a room with two hundred people, I have their complete attention. That's huge. Yeah. Is two hundred right. kind of that average for podcasts? Like, how do you begin to to help mm. people understand those numbers? That's a great question. So Lipson, um, on, on their podcast, the feed, they talk about, um, specifically they'll go through like the, uh, stats of Lipson users. Cause that's what they have. But a lot of mo- most podcasts are on Lipson. So it's pretty reliable. Um, so if you have, and, and this stat, this is the stats I gave a couple of years ago when I wrote this blog post, but I would imagine it's similar. So if you have more than, I think like 150 downloads per episode, that's after 30 days, um, you're doing better than half the podcasts on iTunes. Um, um, so then as you grow there, okay, you're doing better than like 60%, 70%, 80%. Um, so I think that's great. I mean, I've had my podcast since 2014. We get like two to 300 downloads per episode and I'm happy with that. I'm not like, Oh, why don't I have 500? Why don't I have a thousand? Because I have a podcast about podcast interviews. It's pretty specific, right? <laughs> so like not everyone, I'm not going to be marketing to the masses on that topic. So you just have to know, like, if your show's super niche, then it might not be a show that's going to be heard by by download by 10,000 um, people. Um, and then another interesting stat that I found out is only 0.6% of podcasts in iTunes have more than 100 reviews, which a lot of people that go into being interviewed on podcasts are like, I only want to be on shows with more than 100 reviews. And you are eliminating so many possible podcasts that could likely have great clients because you mm-hmm. get your ego gets in there thinking that you can only be on big shows or else it's not worth it. And that's just not the case. Yeah. I mean, Hey, the Beyonce did not sell out Madison square garden her first round. So start small right? and grow. Exactly. I don't know. Right? I was gonna say the Rolling Stones, but that might date me. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> awesome. Jessica. This has been so much fun. I, yeah. I'm so glad you got a chance to, to give our wayfinders so much great information. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for having me guys. Absolutely. Right. Where's the best so place. Fun. Where's the best place people can connect with you? So we have a Facebook group called the Guest Expert Profit Lab. So you can find that at interviewconnections.com slash group. We do coachings and trainings on helping people build more brand awareness from podcast interviews. Fantastic. We'll put that link in the show notes. Thanks for being a Wayfinder, Jessica. Thanks. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it. Post it, tweet it, gram it, email a friend. Give the gift of knowledge to someone you know that could benefit from it. And if you really loved it, please consider leaving a rating and written review on your podcast player of choice. And as always, go to wayfindinggrowth.com for resources and past episodes. Remember, we're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Thank you for listening to Wayfinding Growth.